Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans. I do not know which episode of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast this is because I'm recording an episode. I have a little bit of spare time here, and I'm just recording one of those episodes that can pretty much go up on any day at any time. Doesn't really matter. But with that said, I am your host, John Chick. And today, what we're going to be doing is taking a look at another 1994 Rangers documentary. This one is called Oh Baby, and obviously that's a play on John Davidson's call whenever the Rangers made a big play, scored a big goal. I think it all kind of depended on, you know, how big of a player, how big of a goal it was, how much emphasis he put into the oh baby. But uh, be that as it may, we are going to be, again, just taking a look at this documentary. And I did something similar like this in a previous episode. That was in episode 102, and that was an ABC one-hour-long documentary that took a look at this Ranger team that went on to win the Stanley Cup championship. And it's available on YouTube and it's also something that I had on VHS as a kid and I watched a million times. Now, this one, Oh Baby, I don't think I had ever seen this, and I certainly didn't have it on VHS, and if I ever did see it, it couldn't have been more than maybe once or twice. But, uh, yeah, I don't remember a whole lot from this, so my assumption is that I probably never saw this at any point. But I got to say, I think all those years ago, I might have had the wrong documentary because I think I enjoyed this one more. This one takes kind of a more broad look at the Rangers. It takes a look at what they did in the regular season, which the the ABC documentary basically just focuses in on the Stanley Cup playoffs and more specifically the Stanley Cup finals. Because of the whole hour, you basically get five or six minutes of the first three rounds of the playoffs, and then it just dives right into the Stanley Cup Finals and takes a look at the Rangers series against Vancouver. And it's great. It's it's a very good documentary, but it just chose, for whatever reason, to really just hone almost exclusively in on the finals. Whereas this one, you feel like you kind of go through the season with the Rangers. You feel like you get a good sense of what was going on in the regular season. And then they talk about the first round sweep of the Islanders. They talk about the second round matchup against the Capitals, which the Rangers won in five games. And then this is what I think... The other documentary, the biggest misstep was they did not spend nearly enough time on this series against the New Jersey Devils. It was just a seven-round war. You have the Marc Messier guarantee. You have the double overtime game seven with Stefan Matteau winning it. You have all kinds of drama between Mike Keenan and Marc Messier and Brian Leach. You have another overtime game. It was just a fantastic series and certainly worthy of more than just, you know, the two or three minutes that the other documentary spent on it. This one details that a lot more. We're going to talk about that in just a second. And then, of course, it also talks about the finals against Vancouver. Now, it doesn't spend as much time on the Stanley Cup finals as the other documentary did, the ABC documentary, but you still get a really good sense of what was going on in that series and how it all went down. So, yeah, for my money, this was actually the better of the two documentaries, and I'm not going to go through it, you know, minute by minute and series by series as I did in the other one. What I'm going to do in this one instead is just kind of focus in on things that I learned, things that maybe I didn't really know about this team or things that I had forgotten about over the years. And, you know, some of that might apply to you as well. Maybe you've heard some of these stories. Maybe you know about some of the trials and tribulations that this team went through, but maybe, you know, you haven't really thought about it in quite some time because after all, this was 26 years ago. We probably have some listeners right now that weren't even born when this happened. So yeah, it'll be fun to look at it together. And I think, If you haven't seen it, 
then I definitely recommend, you don't have to do this, but I definitely recommend pause the podcast right now, hop onto YouTube, and if you type into the search bar, type, oh baby, New York Rangers 1994 Stanley Cup video. Once again, that is, oh baby, New York Rangers 1994 Stanley Cup video. It'll be the first video that pops up in the search. It is 58 minutes and 31 seconds long. It's a great watch right now, and Definitely go check it out and then come back here and we can watch the documentary together. And again, I'm just going to share my thoughts here on some things that I either forgot about or never really knew about or or anything that just kind of jumps out to me in this documentary. But it really is a great watch. Go enjoy that right now. We'll be right here when you get back. The first thing that I just absolutely love about this documentary is it is just so 90s. You start it and like, you know, 10 seconds in the music, the on-screen graphics, the editing, it just screams 90s. It really puts you back in that time frame when the Rangers won the Stanley Cup. And right at the start of this documentary, pretty much, they show the final, like, 12 or 13 seconds of Game 7, Rangers and Canucks, and the Rangers get the clear. And Sam Rosen, you don't really hear this very often, but he had an excellent call here about how no more 1940, 54 years of curses are over. I don't remember exactly what he said. I'm obviously paraphrasing here. But he basically got to do two totally separate calls of the Rangers winning the Stanley Cup because everybody thought it was over. And then, of course, you had that bogus icing call and 1.6 seconds put back on the clock for one last faceoff in the Rangers zone, and they hang on there. And then Rosen gives the call that everybody knows. The waiting is over. The New York Rangers are the Stanley Cup champions. But it was just kind of cool because you don't get to see that every day where an announcer gets to give two totally separate calls essentially of the same moment. So I just thought that was kind of neat there. They talk about some of the other close calls with the Rangers coming close to winning the Stanley Cup a couple of times, and then Sam Rosen and John Davidson, it looks like they're kind of in the team shop there, and they're talking about, you know, wow, this actually happened, and, you know, they're, they're marveling at how anytime the Rangers face any kind of adversity this season, uh, they overcame it, and we saw that on the ice with the Canucks, and also certainly with the Devils, and then also behind the scenes, and we'll get into that in just a little minute as well, but it wasn't always uh, smooth sailing with this Ranger team. You know, Mike Keenan, we talked about this uh, in the other documentary that we reviewed, but it was his way or the highway, and, you know, he caught all the shots, and, and he basically butted heads with just about everybody, and that's why he only ended up being with the Rangers for one year, but man, he basically just showed up, kicked ass, won the Stanley Cup, and left, and that's pretty much all there is to it, and Hey, it worked. You know, for, for all the uh, the turmoil behind the scenes and a lot of it caused by Mike Keenan, uh, he did win the Stanley Cup, so you can't really knock him. He got the result that the Rangers needed. And this is something I knew and then kind of forgot. The Rangers actually got off to a bit of a rough start this season. It took them a while to kind of, you know, find their game and, and kind of come together and gel, but they lost a, a really bad game against the Mighty Ducks earlier this season. And the Mighty Ducks at the time, one of the absolute worst teams in the league. And so, you know, the season not getting off to the best of starts. They weren't really looking like a team that was primed to go on a Stanley Cup run. But then not too long after that, the Rangers go on a 22-game stretch where they lose only once. Now, ties were a thing back then, but again, only one loss in 22 games. That's extremely impressive. And obviously, the Rangers were on their way. They they took over first place, and they never looked back after that. They won the President's Trophy that year. Best team in the regular season. But then we start getting all the wheeling and dealing by the Rangers. They send Darren Turcott and James Patrick away in a three-team deal, and they bring in Steve Larmer. So despite all the winning, Mike Keenan wanted his guys, and he wanted the right group of players that he felt was equipped to go through the Stanley Cup playoffs and beat all these tough teams and ultimately win the Stanley Cup. And Steve Larmer had played for Mike Keenan before. He was one of Keenan's guys, and 
Neil Smith, for the most part, he worked in lockstep with Keenan for as much as he could. And again, those two butted heads behind the scenes. But for the most part this season, Neil Smith, I think, gave Mike Keenan what he wanted because, again, this Ranger team, they were winning and winning and winning. And Mike Keenan and Neil Smith, they were still wheeling and dealing and making all these trades like it was a video game. And this is just the first of many dominoes to fall. But once again, they bring in Steve Larmer. One other thing that I had completely forgotten about was that Jeff Bukaboom had held out that season, and he comes back, you know, as the Rangers are starting to go on this run, and obviously he just makes the team better. Him and Brian Leach were typically out there together sharing the blue line, and what a one-two punch that was. You've got, I mean, Brian Leach was so good on both sides of the ice, but you do, you kind of think about him more as an offensive defenseman, even though he was exceptionally good defensively as well, but then Jeff Bukaboom, he's kind of the bruiser out there, the old school player, the throwback player, the guy who's going to throw his weight around, the guy that, you know, basically he's going to take your head off if you're not paying attention. He'll do it clean, but he's going to hit you. And I know we got a lot of Ranger fans, myself included, who are very, very excited about the one-two punch of Adam Fox and Ryan Lindgren, and if the two of them can in any way approach what Brian Leach and Jeff Bukaboom did for this team back in 1993-1994, then we are going to be very, very happy. We're going to be feeling really good about our chances going forward. They also talk about how the Rangers took a trip to the Vietnam Wall in Washington, D.C. I would assume that was probably when they were down there to play the Washington Capitals, but that's always cool, you know. And I guess the message there from Mike Keenan was, you know, to learn about ultimate sacrifice. They also talk about how Mike Richter had to kind of establish himself as the number one goalie in Keenan's eyes, and they also had Glenn Healy at the time. I think Richter clearly was the better of the two goalies, but it's one of those things where Keenan, he's going to make everybody earn it. And if I remember correctly, uh, Keenan and Glenn Healy butted heads quite a bit, and there's a book about this team that I'm sure it's laying around here somewhere. I'm going to have to go back and read it at some point. But yeah, there was there were a couple of heated exchanges between Mike Keenan and Glenn Healy, and I don't think Keenan like to play Glenn Healy very much. That was when these these goalies were true workhorses. And in fact, I'm looking at the stats right now. Mike Richter played 68 of the 84 regular season games. So not a lot of work for Glenn Healy. And uh, they played 84 games back then rather than 82. And, you know, Richter was great. 42, 12, and 6. A goals against average of 257. A save percentage of 910. And then in the playoffs, a goals against average of 2.07 a save percentage of 921 and four shutouts in the playoffs to go along with a 16 and seven record. And he also in this season went 20 consecutive games without a loss. That's a quarter of the season. So that is just crazy. Anyway, you slice it. Documentary also hones in on Mike Gartner. Now Gartner was there at the start of the season and he actually scored his 600th career NHL goal in this season with the Rangers, but he was one of many players who were shipped out of town. Mike Keenan traded him away And I think it's just one of those things where as good as Gartner was, he just was not a Mike Keenan guy. I think Gartner had a little bit of a finesse game and Keenan wanted to bring in all the all of his bruisers and all the guys who could, you know, ultimately carry this team to a Stanley Cup. I mean, obviously, if Gartner was there, you know, they might have still won the Stanley Cup anyway. I know that a knock on Gartner throughout his career was that he hadn't really gotten it done in the Stanley Cup playoffs. But you know, who's to say? I mean, maybe if that trade isn't moved, Mike Gartner gets to lift the Stanley Cup with the Rangers. The Rangers had four players make the Eastern Conference All-Star team that season, and it was the exact four you would expect. Messier, Graves, Leach, and Richter, and Richter was actually the game's MVP. And for a goalie to win the MVP award in an All-Star game, you don't see that every day. It's typically a very high-scoring game where nobody's playing any defense, but obviously an impressive accolade there for Mike Richter. And while they're showing highlights from the All-Star game, the song playing in the background is Smells Like Teen Spirit by Nirvana. Really doesn't get any more 90s than that. Messier had some injuries with his wrist this season, and supposedly he was even considering surgery. I'm not sure how long that would have kept him out, but he decided against it. It sounds like team doctors 
advised him that it would not be a lingering issue and that he could play through it. And, you know, I mean, Mark Bessier, you give him that choice. He's going to choose to play through it every single time. That's just the kind of player he was. That's the kind of leader he was. That's the kind of captain he was for the New York Rangers. And here is something that I definitely did not know. Now, I was aware that Mike Keenan was no fan of Alexei Kovalov. I'm aware of the incident where Mike Keenan basically just made Kovalov stay on the ice for minutes and minutes and minutes at a time. Kovalov kept coming to the bench to change off, and Keenan kept waving him back out there. And I guess Kovalov thought that he was being rewarded. And that, so obviously he didn't get the message there that, that Mike Keenan was you know disciplining him by, by making him stay on the ice to send Alex Kovalov a message to stop being a selfish player. Because Kovalov had a little bit of a reputation for being a little bit of a puck hog and just immature in general. But things got really bad there. And Mike Keenan, point blank, in an interview just said, listen, I can't control what he does once he's on the ice. I can only verbalize it to him. And if he doesn't stop acting like this, we're going to have to trade him. Neil's going to have to trade him. And to just flat out say that, I mean, you just don't see that very often. And what Keenan was referring there to, and I didn't know this either, Alex Kovalov had been suspended twice that season for two separate incidences where he basically used his stick as a weapon. The first was a five-game suspension, and the second was a two-game suspension. And so, yeah, Alex Kovalov was was really skating on thin ice there, no, no pun intended. But, yeah, I mean, it, it came really close. I would imagine it's a situation where, I mean, I don't know this for sure. It's just speculation, and maybe it's in that Ranger book that I have. I have to track that down. I just wonder if maybe at a certain point, uh, Neil Smith, basically told Mike Keenan, listen, we can't trade this guy his, because his skills were just absolutely off the charts. And there's no way that they would have been able to get fair value for Alex Kovalov, especially considering the suspensions and the fact that everybody knew that he was kind of falling out of favor with Keenan. So they ended up keeping Kovalov through the deadline and, and he played very well in the playoffs and was a big part of the Rangers winning this Stanley Cup. The other thing I got to talk about here, and I can remember reading about this in the past, but it's the Black Aces for the Rangers. And this was just a nickname to these players, these five players who didn't really play that often. They were often healthy scratches. And even when they did play, their ice time was very limited. Those five players were Doug Lidster, Eddie Olchek, Peter Anderson, Nick Kiprios, and Phil Bork. And so then there was a game where Anderson actually got to dress and he scored what I believe was the game-winning goal with about 28 or 30 seconds left in this game, and as soon as he scores the goal, he immediately points up to the press box to where the the rest of the Black Aces are sitting, the other four guys, and they're all cheering and going crazy and just just having the time of their lives. They were just so happy to see one of their guys uh, come through in crunch time here. And then it gets to the trade deadline, and Anderson, Bork, Tony Amante, Mike Gardner all traded away and making room for Stefan Matteau, Brian Noonan, Glenn Anderson, and Craig McTavish. And hey, it worked, right? I mean, all these moves, they led to the Rangers winning a Stanley Cup. But this was kind of crazy. I mean, Tony Amante was a young up-and-coming player. Mike Gartner was an absolute beast. Again, he scored his 600th goal in this season with the Rangers. And to do this much wheeling and dealing, to trade this much away from your NHL roster and bring in all these other guys and just hope that all the, the pieces are going to fit the puzzle and, you know, mess with success the way the Rangers did, it was risky, but it worked out. Again, they, they went through the Stanley Cup playoffs and they won the Stanley Cup championship. And the other thing that I was definitely unaware of is just how many goals Adam Graves scored, 52 to be exact, to go along with 27 assists. So that is 79 points in the 84 games in the regular season. And then he went on to score another 10 goals and 7 assists in 23 postseason games. 
And I loved Adam Graves. I was a big fan of him as a kid, but I had no idea he scored that many goals that season. And if you look at the rest of his career, he never really got close to that in any other season. His next highest total, in fact, was 38 goals, which he scored in 1998-1999 with the Rangers. So just an incredible season. Adam Graves, as good as he was, clearly overachieving this year and obviously giving the Rangers uh, a huge spark and becoming one of the absolute biggest pieces to this team that went on to win the Stanley Cup. So the Rangers, they obviously open up the playoffs against the New York Islanders. And here's something I bet you didn't know. Stefan Matteau and Pierre Turgeon were teammates on Team Canada in the Little League World Series. And it shows actually some clips of them playing together, playing baseball together as youngsters and obviously going against each other in this playoff series. So the Rangers sweep the Islanders, and Mike Richter was just unbelievable in this series. You can see it in the highlights in this documentary. And Brian Leach in the four games with eight points, so obviously stepping up big right as soon as the playoffs start. Against the Capitals, the Rangers win the first three games. The Capitals win game four. Game five goes back to the Garden, and it's a tie game late. And Zuboff finds Brian Leach in deep, and Leach scores from the doorstep to give the Rangers the lead with about three minutes remaining, and they hang on for the victory there. So it's on to the Eastern Conference Finals. Obviously, the Rangers play the Devils in the Eastern Conference Finals, and this series is just an absolute battle. And if you want to feel old, Marty Brodeur was the Devils goalie at this time, but he was just 22 years old. And the Rangers really had some issues closing games down the stretch this season. It happened twice against the Devils where they gave up the game-tying goal with less than a minute left in regulation. And then it also happened in Game 1 against the Canucks. And, of course, you know, the Rangers, they open the series against the Devils on guard and ice. They give up the equalizer late, and then the Devils go on to win it in overtime and take a one to nothing series lead. Between Games 1 and 2, this documentary mentions a longtime Ranger fan since 1940. Her name was Seal Seidel, and she was actually uh, murdered before she was able to watch the Rangers close out the Washington Capitals in Game 5 in Madison Square Garden. So obviously uh, a heartbreaking story there. The one kind of strange thing about this documentary is it mentions it, but it doesn't talk about it at all. But then at the end of the documentary, they kind of put a bow on it, wrap it up really nice. Adam Graves says a couple of really nice words about her, as uh, as we'll cover when we get to that point. But as for Game 2, the Rangers, you know, they struck back. They win, I believe, 3 to nothing. They tie the series at 1. Game 3, there's an incident where Alex Kovalov is down on the ice, and Ernie Nichols cross-tracks him viciously in the face. Uh, Kovalov's completely defenseless, just a complete cheap shot there. And the Rangers went on to win this game in overtime. Kovalov had a shot in overtime. He was hammering away on the doorstep. Brodeur stopped it, but then Stefan Matteau, he actually, before Game 7, scored an overtime winner in Game 3 of this series to put the Rangers up two games to one. And then after this game was over, Mike Keenan and his presser was asked about the Nichols incident with Kovalov, and Keenan said point blank, yes, I, I believe he should be suspended, basically said it was garbage, and that's exactly what it was. He was absolutely right, and Nichols was indeed suspended for Game 4 of this series. Game 4 was really strange because the Rangers lost this game 3-1, to but in the middle of the game, Keenan replaced Richter with Glenn Healy, and that just sounds like a strange time to make a goalie change. It's not like the Devils had lit up Richter for four or five goals, but I guess for whatever reason, uh, Keenan wanted to send a message or didn't like what he was seeing, and he also benched Messier and Leach for significant stretches of this game. And to do that to arguably your two best players on the team, uh, very, very bizarre. And I know that sometimes as a coach, you have to send a message. I don't think Game 4 of the Eastern Conference Finals is the right time to do it. I don't think you take your best guys off the ice, but that's 
regardless, that's what he did, and he basically just opened the door for the Devils to jump back into the series, and that's what happened. The Devils get a 3-1 to one victory here, and the series is now tied at 2. And then the Rangers put out a report that, you know, Leach and Messier were both dealing with injuries, and it seems like that was more like the Rangers and Mike Keenan trying to do damage control because they realized, like, oh, maybe that was pretty stupid, benching our best two players in an absolutely huge game against our rivals in the Eastern Conference Finals. But Messier and Leach basically both just kind of laughed it off, and it puts them in an awkward position because do you say, no, I'm not injured, and then you make a liar out of your coach, or do you kind of just go along with it and be like, oh, yeah, you know, I was a little bit hurt, but then you look soft for not taking the ice. So just a really, really strange situation there and a really bizarre decision by Mike Keenan in Game 4 to bench those guys. And then Game 5 was a disaster. The Rangers... In Madison Square Garden, they lose 4-1. to Then you all know what happened next. Mark Messier with the guarantee in Game 6 that the Rangers would win. And, of course, they fall behind 2 to nothing. Uh, Kovalov scores a goal where Messier got the assist to get them back into it. And then Messier with a natural hat trick in the third period leads them to a 4-2 win. And just like that, we're going to Game 7. They show a clip of Patrick Ewing. He was on the Knicks at the time, and they had a heck of a run themselves. They went to the NBA Finals that year, and... You know, the playoffs, the basketball playoffs are going on at the time, and he just, you know, really commends Messier on basically just putting the team on his back and coming through in the clutch for the Rangers. So we go to Game 7, and my God, the goal that Brian Leach scored in this game to give the Rangers a one nothing lead. The Rangers win an offensive zone draw. Leach has it, you know, just inside the blue line along the boards. He skates down along the boards, and everybody thinks he's going to carry the puck around behind the net, but instead, he hits the brakes, spins back to his left, comes in front of the net, and backhands the puck home. Just a brilliant individual effort by Brian Leach here, giving them a one nothing lead, and it seemed like that lead might stand up, but then, of course, the Devils tie the game with just 7.8 seconds remaining. Basically, the Devils just threw it toward the front of the net, and they whack away at it, and they stuff the puck home, and they tie the game, and then they show a guy in the press box, and I'm assuming he's a sports writer of some kind here. I don't know who it was. He can't see his face, but it shows on his computer screen there is an image of what looks to be the back page of you know some kind of major publication. It's kind of hard to see what it is, but you can see that the, the way the back page is laid out here. It says 1940 in huge letters, right? So 1940 taken up about half the page, and then underneath 1940 it says, the curse lives as devils rally to KO Rangers. So my assumption here is that, and, and again, for people who weren't really around or really aware of what was going on in the world back then, there was no social media. The internet was barely even a thing. And pretty much everybody had two ways to get your news. It was either on TV or in the paper the next morning. So I'm assuming this sports writer or whoever he is, this page designer, must have had both options ready to go. He probably had uh, a page that said the Rangers win it in thrilling double overtime, blah, blah, blah. And then he probably also had this one that had the Devils winning it because with newspapers, you had really tight deadlines. Now, I'm assuming for a situation like this, they probably had an extended deadline. After all, it is a hockey game. You never know how late it can go. But I'm sure that as soon as this game ended, you know, all journalists, all sports writers who worked for these papers, were gonna, it was going to be a race to the finish. And, you know, you had to get all your stuff in and have it ready to go for the next day. But actually seeing this was just kind of surreal. Again, it says, 1940, the curse lives as Devils rallied to KO Rangers. And had the Devils scored in overtime, I'm sure that would have run in, in whichever publication this was. And that would have been really unfortunate because obviously it would have meant that the Rangers lost in heartbreaking fashion. And when you watch the highlights of this overtime period and the double overtime period, even now watching it, even as someone who 
knows what happened, who knows that the Rangers won this, who knows that Stefan Matteau scores in double overtime and knows that the Rangers go on to win the Stanley Cup and break the 54-year curse, it's still nerve-wracking watching this even now. Because in both overtime periods, both teams had a chance to win it. Both teams had some scoring opportunities, and even now, it's just very nerve-wracking to watch it. And then, of course, you get the goal from Matteau, and the Rangers win in double overtime. The Devils had a 2-on-1 in the overtime, and, and Richter kind of chips the puck away and then eventually gets on top of it, and then Brian Noonan gets a chance for the Rangers. I always really liked Brian Noonan. That really would have been something if he was the unlikely hero. Obviously, it turned out to be Stefan Matteau. I mean, we can't get picky as Ranger fans. You know, whoever scores the goal scores the goal, but it would have been cool to see uh, Noonan get it, but then again, we wouldn't have that famous Matteau, Matteau, Matteau call. I guess it would have been Noonan, Noonan, Noonan. But then, uh, you know, Messier has a, a chance around the doorstep or door stops him. And then the Devils get another chance. Bruce Driver, who ended up playing for the Rangers, he came in and Richter steered the puck aside and knocked it out of harm's way. Just just absolutely wild stuff. And then, of course, Matteau gets the goal, sends the Rangers to the Stanley Cup Finals. The documentary also shows a little bit of the Rangers celebrating their Eastern Conference Championship. And for the record, Marc Messier did touch the Wales Trophy, the trophy that they give to the Eastern Conference Champions. You know, I can understand superstitions, but, you know, I think it makes more of a statement that you're more confident that, you know, I'll touch this trophy. It's a nice trophy. Hey, we, we earned something here. It's not the ultimate goal, but we're the last team standing in our conference. So yeah, let me lift this up real quick and then we'll go get another one. I think that makes a bigger statement than, oh, I'm too scared to touch the trophy. And they also show a post-game interview with Stefan Matteau. And at least in the clip they showed here, he didn't even talk about the goal. He was just talking about, you know, being traded to the Rangers in the middle of the season and realizing immediately, like, wow, I have a chance to go get a Stanley Cup. And he talks about now we're so close to it. So so you could really feel the excitement there. And it was just cool to hear from Matteau after he scored the game-winning goal. Something else I learned here as it pertains to the Stanley Cup final that I was unaware of. The Rangers took a trip to Vancouver earlier that season, and there was quite the altercation between Mike Keenan and Pat Quinn, and the documentary doesn't really get into detail as to what caused it. I mean, maybe I can look it up. Maybe somebody already knows this, but basically uh, there was just a lot of jawing between both benches, you know, over the glass there, and specifically between Keenan and Pat Quinn, and, you know, somebody on the Canucks was was poking his stick over the glass at somebody, so that could have really gotten nasty. I, I don't think it got too out of control. It doesn't look like it, but yeah, I mean, that, that was something I never knew, that they had had such a heated exchange earlier that season. And as for the finals themselves, there's not really a whole lot to add here because the previous documentary, the one that we already uh, reviewed, it covered the finals in such detail that this doesn't really shine a whole lot of new stuff that I was unaware of on it. Uh, however... I did learn that Doug Lidster was inserted back into the lineup for Game 2 of this series, and he had not played in weeks. He was one of the black aces and a guy who you know, didn't really get a lot of playing time even when he was dressed and often was a healthy scratch. So it was kind of interesting to see the Rangers go with him, and I believe he played for the rest of the series and actually scored a goal here in Game 2, obviously a game that the Rangers really need to have. You drop Game 1 at home, you got to win Game 2. You can't be falling into a big hole. And, you know, Lidster coming through big in his first action in several weeks. This I also knew about, but Alex Kovalov at the time had a good luck troll. These trolls were big at the time. They were like these three-inch tall little basically action figures, and they were just, you know, goofy, and they had crazy hair. And Alex Kovalov had one of those that then apparently went missing after Game 7 against the Devils, but they got it back, and uh, obviously, you know, that troll worked because the Rangers won the Stanley Cup. And I thought this was kind of cool. They show Game 7, and they show, you know, a group of family and friends watching in their house, you know, in a living room, and then they show uh, people watching in a bar across the street from Madison Square Garden. So you get all these different looks at all these different fans watching in various capacities. And it's interesting because you see a lot of that now where, you know, there will be a big sports game, and people will 
film themselves. They'll, they'll have a camera pointed on themselves and get all their reactions to everything that happens in the game. So you've seen that kind of spring up over the last few years. But when you think about it, this is way ahead of its time because, you know, people had the wherewithal. They were they were smart enough to, to realize, hey, this is Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Finals. My team might win the Stanley Cup, and I'm going to film myself watching this. So, again, these anybody who did this at the time, way ahead of their time, and, and just cool to see, you know, from, from that many years ago. The other thing that really stood out in this documentary here, uh, watching Game 7 again of the Rangers and Canucks, is just the look of agony on the faces of these Ranger fans. And this is these are genuine reactions. There are people who are just like, almost physically in pain watching this game, uh, just so nervous, so scared that the Rangers aren't going to be able to hold on. And this isn't one of those situations, like you see now every now and then, where like, oh, the, the camera's near me, so I'm going to make a stupid face and maybe I'll get on TV. No, th- these were very genuine reactions. It, it was just agonizing. I, I mean, you're trying to break this curse, and you've got a one-goal lead, and you've got to hang on for basically most of the third period, and it, it took its toll on people. And then finally, of course, the clock runs out. You get the big celebration, the Rangers, Stanley Cup champions, curse broken after 54 years. And we talked about this a little bit earlier, but at the end of the documentary, we get Adam Graves. He's sitting, it looks like in the seats in Madison Square Garden. He talks about the uh, woman who passed away, who was a Ranger fan during this run to the Stanley Cup. And, you know, he even suggested that, you know, maybe she kind of had something to do with getting rid of the ghosts of Madison Square Garden and allowing the Rangers to break the curse and win the Stanley Cup. But a really nice moment from Adam Graves there. And the documentary also shows a seat in Madison Square Garden that has, you know, flowers on it and, and you know, cards it looked like. And I can only assume that that's the seat where she used to sit when she would go to Ranger games. So obviously, you know, a very tragic thing there, but a really nice thing for Adam Graves to do to kind of share some nice thoughts about her at the end of this documentary. And, you know, once again, guys, uh, it's been a lot of fun to kind of relive the Rangers winning the 1994 Stanley Cup championship. We've been able to do that with the ABC documentary and now with this one, Oh Baby. There's actually one more. It's called Road to Glory, and that one's about an hour and 40 minutes. That's on YouTube as well, so maybe we'll take a look at that at some point, you know, maybe sometime next week. But, uh, yeah, you know, uh, again, I I just hope everybody's hanging in there and staying safe through this coronavirus thing that's going on right now and you know again just try to stay positive and uh you know we'll all get through this together and once again thanks for tuning in if you want to get in touch send an email to lockedonnyrangers at gmail.com and absolutely give us a follow on twitter at lo underscore ny underscore rangers now go ahead and tell your smart device to play the latest episode of locked on nhl thanks again you guys i'll see you tomorrow